Father, we thank you for the word that has been prepared today. And Lord, we ask that you take this word and you bring transformation to the hearts and minds of all that hear today, Lord God. Do what only you can do in these moments. Speak to each individual, Lord God, where they are, Lord God. Bring them into your light. Bring them into your truth. We thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. So, our title for today is Unmet Expectations. But we're just going to start by defining what expectations are. See, by definition, expectations are our strong hopes, our beliefs, that something will happen or you will get something you want. Now, how many of us in here have expectations? Don't be shy. We all should have expectations. Having expectations is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it can influence our personal performance. It influences our feelings towards how we perceive people and how we perceive situations. Now, I did a little research, and those of you who know me know that I love neuroscience. So neuroscientists suggest that our expectations and our past experiences includes um, prior beliefs. And these prior beliefs ultimately shape our reality. They influence our perceptions of things that we encounter on a daily basis. For example, you expect the chair that you are sitting in to work properly, right? Because the last time you came to church, the last time you came into here, it worked, right? Oh, 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 okay. Talk back to me. In fact, you could not fathom if we would actually sit you in a chair that was broken. Right? Yeah. Right, okay. But what if I told you for the sake of this sermon, one of you... <laughs> one of you could be possibly sitting in a broken chair. <laughs> How does that influence um, your thinking right now? Are you wondering who it is? Are you double checking your chair? Yeah. Don't move! Don't 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 move! Don't move! Well, just to let you know, there is no broken chairs out there. I just said, what if that was the scenario? Another thing is, I'll give you another example. Every Christmas break, Pastor Garfield exercises what we um, consider his spontaneous muscles. He's not a spontaneous guy, but every Christmas break, he gets the opportunity to be so. And we await every year for this week to come. We anticipate it, and we look forward to it. We don't ask any questions except for the fact that we need to know do we need to pack anything and what to wear? Because the first time he did his adventure, we ended up in Whistler in Canada with tennis shoes and light jackets in the height of winter. So we've learned from that, right? Our expectations are different now. We have to ask the question, uh, what do we need to prepare for, even though we don't know where we're going? Like I said, this is something that we look forward to every year. But during the pandemic, you know, that was not an option. But you better believe, 
every Christmas since. We are expecting him to do something. And we don't care what it entails, we're just excited that he is actually going to spontaneously surprise us every day of the week. But what happens when our expectations become unfulfilled? What if one Christmas we decide that, oh my gosh, you know, we can't wait for Pastor, what, what, what Garfield is going to do this, this year? And then he says, oh, change of plans, we're just going to stay in. What happens to those expectations? What happens to that feeling of excitement? What happens with us when expectations are unfulfilled? Our perception changes from having a positive impact to a negative one or an unpleasant one. And now we see that expectation not as something exciting, but as something that is unmet. Our unmet expectation is when expectations, your needs, and your desires are not satisfied. And let's be honest, that can be pretty frustrating, right? Yep. Absolutely. While I was doing this study, I came across this quote from Christianity Today, and it says this, nothing leads more quickly to frustration and disappointment than unmet expectations. Did you notice the emotional response to that unmet expectation? Frustration, disappointment, and those terms by themselves are really loaded. See, at some point, we um, all have been met with the angst of unmet met expectations, whether it's in a romantic relationship, in your family, your friendship, your church community, your career, your school, we all have experienced it at some degree. You know, those things that you think about, you know, uh, we say those by now, well maybe you don't, but I say by now. By now, I expected I'll be married. By now, I expected I'll be further in my career. By now, I expected to get into that internship that I have been waiting for for a year. By now, I expected more in my life's age. By now, I expected my significant other to know my every thought. By now, I expected my parents to actually see me as an adult now. After all, I don't live in their house anymore. By now, I expected to be a millionaire. I'm just trying to understand why someone just hasn't brought me the winning ticket and put it in my hand. I know that's unrealistic, but that's my expectation. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we face unmet um, expectations all the time, and we are not exempt from it in our relationship with God, right? I know that's hard to say. It's hard to imagine, but it happens. And that unmet expectation can lead to doubt, and that doubt can stifle us on our faith journey. 
like I said, this is not something that most people would admit to you that, you know, they have unmet expectations concerning God. But if you haven't experienced it yet, I guarantee at some point in your journey you will. And the truth is, you will not be the first one. We can see throughout scriptures that Jesus had to address doubts in those who walked closely with him. We have Peter in Matthew 14, 28 to 33. We have Thomas, everybody knows about Doubting Tom, in John 20, 24 to 29. And then we have John the Baptist, Matthew 11, 2 6. Follow me, if you will. Let's go back to um, Matthew 11, and let's pick up at verse 2. Here's a moment. Uh, John the Baptist proposes his, are you the one question? Now when John, the ba- when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Maybe I should just go ahead and set the scene for you. See, John the Baptist was a prophet who was chosen by God, even before his birth. He was direct. He was true. He was a direct truth-giving prophet. And he was commissioned by God to usher in the way of the coming Messiah fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi 3 and 1. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This scripture spoke of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was also that prophet who wasn't afraid to speak his mind. He wasn't afraid to speak into against wrongdoings and encourage people to turn away from their sins and eventually earning his reputation of being the voice of the generation. However, his bold nature often got him in trouble. It often caused offense, particularly to the ones he was confronting about their sins. And one such confrontation uh, with Herod and Epaz would take him to a point of imprisonment. See, Herod had taken on his brother's wife for himself. And John confronted him on it. Unhappy with this, John was placed in prison. Now this story alone, just about the Herods, could be something that will be on the top ten of Netflix dramas for the week. It was just that scandalous. But I want you to focus on um, where we find ourselves now in Matthew 11 where we are back at an intersection of John the Baptist and Jesus' story. See, at this point, Jesus was about going about performing miracles, leading people, 
um, to, to um, redemption. And here it is, he says, he is, he is in a point that he had just raised the widow's, the widow's son from the dead. He had just brought about healing to the centurion's um, servant. And reports of this spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding countries, according to Luke 7, 17. Therefore, knowing the background of John the Baptist, knowing what he was called to do, and even knowing his relationship with Christ, the line of questioning in verse number three is quite puzzling. See, during, the, during John the Baptist's ministry, he acknowledges and he affirms that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Let's go to John 1, 25-27. It says here, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I have seen and testified that he is the son of God. Now, John probably had certain expectations of the Messiah, like most people in his day. Um, maybe he thought that there should be an immediate judgment of Israel and the establishment of the kingdom, as highlighted in Matthew 3, 2-3. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who, who, spoken, who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So why now has John's thought changed? Why is John the Baptist asking, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Are some Translations say, should I expect another? There are many speculations that John's imprisonment had a lot to do with the bearing of how he thought, how his thought pattern shifted. One of the obvious lessons that we can possibly learn from, from um, this is that our situation often influences our expectations of others. Our circumstances often influence our expectations of others. John the Baptist is now, he's in prison at this time, and so many things 
or probably going through his mind based on what he had heard. But here he stood, a prophet of God, doing everything that was expected, yet he is at the mercy of an unjust system for speaking God's truth. Could it be that his current circumstances actually added to the frustration to how he may have anticipated Jesus' role as the Messiah to be carried out? Or could it be that he expected Jesus to bring political change, thus affecting his current um, imprisonment? John prophesied about the blessings and the judgment of the coming Messiah. Yet, he probably only saw, at this moment, the blessings. See, the Roman authority was still in, 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 in rule, and sin was running rapid. And political and religious corruption still ruled. It's probably saying, Christ, what's going on here? Aren't you going to do something about this? Right now in our lives, we're probably facing some things. Not in prison like John, but we're probably facing some things. And we're like, Christ, where are you? Can't you see what's happening? The frustration that he may have felt within this year of imprisonment might have led to countless Moments of retrospect that led him to be alone with some deep thoughts. Like I said, we're not, may not be in a prison like John the Baptist, but we can be held hostage to our thoughts. And we can relate to the fact that we, when left alone with our negative perceptions, it might not, it will emotionally or mentally. But here's the thing. In those moments, we need to turn to Jesus as John did. He couldn't physically go to where Jesus was, so he sent his disciples instead. He said, go to Jesus. Ask him, is he indeed the one we've been waiting for? I need confirmation. Or at least I need some resolution to calm my thoughts. Last week, Pastor Garfield talked about, Lord, help my unbelief. And now we're at the point that we're saying, Lord, help me tame the thoughts of my belief. You see, Christ's failure to meet John's expectations may have caused doubt in his mind. Whether Jesus was a true Messiah, presenting challenges to a challenging situation for him to navigate through. Here's a quick note to yourself. Our unmet expectations should not determine how we see God. On the contrary, our unmet expectations should be submitted under God's authority. Instead of openly rebuking or condemning John's inquiry, Jesus responds with a gentle reminder that challenges John's perspective and hopefully redirected him to the mindset of kingdom. Let's go to Matthew 
Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way before? Who will prepare your way before you? Assuredly, I say to you, among those who are born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he is least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence taken by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah to come. Now he who has an ear, let them hear. Jesus is making sure in this moment that all of those who witnessed the moment of John's doubt that he was still a prophet of God and worthy of his calling. In moments of frustration, unmet expectations, God covers us with his grace and he breathes life into us. And his spirit bears witness to our true identity. As we begin to close today, I just have a couple of steps that you can possibly use when dealing with frustration and disappointment due to unmet expectations. Number one, understand where the foundation of your unmet expectations stems from. What is the root of your expectation? Does it root from, does it stem from your current circumstances? Are your past experiences? Are even past fulfilled expectations? Number two, trust the process of the journey. God is the author and the finisher of our faith, and he knows your entire story. Sometimes our expectations put a dimmer on what God wants to do in our life and what he has in store for our lives. We may see the now, but God sees the future. Third, remind yourself of God's word. Pastor Garfield mentioned this last week as one of his takeaways for you guys. Reflect on the truth of God. Meditate on his word. Study his word. Have his word so ingrained into your mind and your spirit that when those times of doubt arise, you can speak into the atmosphere and calm your mind. Later in this chapter, Jesus shares um, in Matthew 28-30, he says, Come on, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Expectations that are placed on us, are we placed on ourselves, are we placed on others, can be troublesome when they are unfulfilled. But in this passage, Jesus is drawing us to come closer to him. He is drawing us in this passage to let him lift our burdens and rest in him. 
See, sometimes we may have plans that might not align with what God has for our story. And sometimes we are asking for it and things, and we're not ready for it to be released because we're just not prepared to receive it. Whatever the case may be, God will always be there. And through Jesus, he has shown us that he's willing and more capable of handling our preconceived expectations of him while offering us grace and guidance to put us back on the right track. Question for you today. Are you ready to let go of the heaviness of unmet expectations and find rest in Jesus? As the worship team comes forth, and we prepare ourselves for a time of communion. I want us to think of the weight of one expectations in our life. And think about how wonderful it will be if we can just let go of those thoughts and trust God. I know, it might be easier said than done. <laughs> But if you are here, today can be a start. We can pray with you. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you are here and you want to experience the first step of freedom from the heaviness of unmet expectations, can you just raise your hand slightly for me? The second thing is, if you are here and you don't have a relationship with God, but you want to know what that's like, you want to know what it's like to have freedom and redemption in Him. You want to know what it's like to be able to rest in Him. If that is you today, can I see your hands? Amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask you to do a bold step. We've been asking for this bold step, but I know. I know it can be uncomfortable. But as we prepare for our time of communion, I want you to think about how Jesus sacrificed his entire being for us. He received beatings. He received piercing of his side, being hung on the cross for the remission of your sins to bring you back into right relationship with God. Heavenly Father, you have seen the hands that went forth today, God. Lord, I ask that you meet them where they are. Right now, touch their hearts, touch their minds, Lord God. Let their mind be in you, Christ Jesus. Let them feel it in the, the freedom 
of your yoke. Let them feel the freedom of who you are, God. In this very moment, Lord God, let them feel the weight lift off of them. Father, for those who are in this room who don't have a relationship with you, Lord God, you saw their hands as well. And Lord, in this moment, I ask that you speak to their hearts. You bring them back into the fold. The word says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he is Lord, then you are saved. So in this moment, for those of you who are seeking salvation, can you just say, Lord, come into my heart. I surrender to you. Lord, do with my life what you will. Lord, I thank you for calling me home, for bringing me home. Father, you provide rest for the weary. You provide strength for the weak. So in this moment, Lord God, I ask that you strengthen every individual that is in this house, that you allow your Holy Spirit to arise in them, that you will allow your ministering angels to speak to them when it comes time of doubt. Lord God, I ask that you bring back every word that has been deposited to them back to their remembrance, Lord God. So they stand firm on who you are in their lives. So they know you to be the true and living God. One who is unshakable, one who is unmovable, one who loves them and cherishes them. Let us not live up to others' expectations of us or even put our own other expectations upon other people, Lord God. But Lord, I ask that we live a life that is unto the expectance of one, which is you. God, our every thoughts, give us divine wisdom, divine insight. And we just thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' holy name. And the church said, Amen.